It is so important to have a strong sense of yourself and just always challenging yourself to continue learning more about who you are and and really f- coming to a place of learning to love and embrace that. To be vulnerable in sharing that, I think, is one of the most powerful tools of connection. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you're listening to Women in Wyoming, where I talk with inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. This is Chapter 5, The Cowgirl State. This time, Jessie Allen, a yoga instructor, hunting guide, Knowles instructor, former Miss Wyoming, and the manager of Allen's Diamond Four, Wyoming's highest elevation guest ranch, located at 9,200 feet in the heart of the Wind River Mountains. During our interview, I learn about Jessie's passion to connect people from all walks of life to the wilderness, how she lives her life with curiosity and an explorer mindset, and her mission to create connection and community in the mountains. Here's Jessie. The Diamond Four, your parents started that in 1973. You are the highest elevation guest ranch in Wyoming at 9,200 feet. You started guiding there when you were 13 years old. Can you tell me some of your memories of growing up on the ranch and starting to get into the guiding world? So every summer I would spend on the ranch with my family. I have two older sisters and we were all raised on the ranch. And so when I was a kid, I would have, you know, I would have a handful of chores and, and duties to help help out on the ranch. But I spent every day outside playing, riding my horses bareback, going to the creek to swim and fish and pick raspberries and build forts. I was always playing outside. And uh, when I got a little bit older, I started taking on more and more responsibility. And the first trip I did alone, I was 13. I packed in a group of fishermen into a lake. It was about a five-hour ride in, dropped them off, and then rode out. So that was that was the day that really sticks out in my mind as fully stepping into that role as a, a real live employee of the ranch who, who was at that point of being competent enough to do it on my own. As you said, you're 13. It's a really young age to step into that responsibility. You're you're still pretty young. You're not even 30 and taking on the management role of your family's ranch. Did you always know you wanted to come back home and have this be your career and your you know your path personally to carry on your family's legacy? It's definitely been a process to find myself in this point where I am sure that this is what I want to do for a career path. There is no doubt in my mind that it's been something I've always been really passionate about that is a huge part of who I am and what I feel most empowered doing. But there was a lot of other things that piqued my interest too that kind of pulled me away from the ranch during the winter time. Uh, But every summer I would come back. But now it is... It is where I want to be, where I choose to be, and I see so much opportunity to be stepping into the role and taking over the business for my parents. Well, and something that is really cool, I think, about your ranch is it's totally off the grid. It's yeah. There's no electricity, no cell phone service, no Wi-Fi. What kind of imprint does that have on you to, to live your life at least half the year being really removed and just completely connected to these incredibly wild spaces. Yeah. 
Oh, it's, it is really special. I find such a sense of liberation being in the backcountry and not being consistently attached to the devices. I, I really appreciate that being in the mountains, your focus is fully present. You are in the here and now, and yes, your mind can wander and start daydreaming when you're spending hours of the day riding by yourself, but it just really brings the attention back. And I really appreciate that what it does for the families because they're, they don't have that distraction to be on their devices and, you know, have their cell phones on the table. It's more focused on human connection and instead of going to something digital to entertain the kids after dinner, instead I'll take them for a bareback ride at sunset or go fishing and, and go pick berries. You now do all those things that are so good for kids to have those hands-on experiences and that there's not even the thought of going to something digital because it's not an option and that's fantastic. You mentioned it's been a journey for you to come home and, and that is a big part of why I do these interviews is to talk about the journey because it's not this straight path and, and everything's lined out. It's an exploration. Mm-hmm. But what were some of those key defining moments for you where you, it moved you closer to where you are now, feeling mm-hmm. like you are where you want to be? It, it definitely has been a journey and I have a very curious mind. I want to try and experience as much as I possibly can. I think that's so essential to personal development and to growing as as a person is to diversify yourself and explore other skill sets. And so let's see, my first year of college, I was a state FFA officer. So I traveled around the state of Wyoming speaking in schools and putting on leadership workshops, being really active in the FFA, which I really enjoyed. Then I went to the University of Wyoming and got my degree in communications and marketing. And while I was studying at UW, I was on the dance team. And during my junior year of college, I went to Washington, D.C. to work for Cynthia Lummis, doing an internship, thinking that that might be a path I wanted to pursue, was going into politics, potentially being a legislative assistant for one of the senators and or the congresswoman. I enjoyed the learning opportunities, but I was always really looking forward to coming back to the ranch in the summer. And that's where I felt most connected. I am so passionate about the work that I do and and I feel like I am kind of traveling vicariously through having conversations with people from all over the world while we're in the mountains and getting a taste of what their life is like back home and hearing their stories and how they got to be where they are and in their career choices. And so I love having those conversations and it does fill that void of needing to always be learning, always be experiencing something new. I realize that I can still be at the ranch and and still fill that part of me by just meeting as many people as possible. Well, and you get to wear so many different roles on the ranch too, from not only leading the ranch and leading your your team and all the other guides, but just in all the various ways that you connect to the outdoors and wilderness. Can you just talk about some of your many multifaceted (laughs) talents of, of helping people connect to the outdoors? So the ranch 
has a lot of different ways for people to access the backcountry. We do have cabins where people can do a guest ranch style vacation. Uh, we get a lot of rock climbers and backpackers and fly fishermen that will pack deeper into the into the backcountry and do extended pack trips with. And so I am involved in leading those. I have also started leading wellness retreats for women because I was seeing this trend of it being extremely rare to ever see just groups of women coming to the ranch. I had a lot of families. There was a lot of groups of just men, fathers and sons and cousins, but it was so rare to ever see just women come to the ranch. And when that really clicked for me, I was in my early 20s and I was like, hey, wait a second. There is so much goodness to be experienced out here. And I want to provide a space that encourages women to come in on their own or with a friend or sister or mom to go into the backcountry and to feel, uh, you know, to connect with this supportive community of women and to challenge themselves and to find their strength as a woman in the outdoors. And so I started leading those trips, which has been really special for me. Um, and I feel really grateful to be able to facilitate that for women because it's pretty can be a pretty pretty powerful experience for these gals and for me and I also guide hunters in the fall so I guide hunters for archery and rifle elk mule deer and antelope so I'll do that through October and then in the off season I am an instructor for the National Outdoor Leadership School so I'll take students into the backcountry for up to 30 days uh, hiking and living out of a backpack for 30 days. It's pretty fantastic. What do you think, you know, for all these really diverse collection of clients from kids to these women's horseback and yoga retreats to guiding mostly men with your hunting and outfitting trips in the fall, what is that common thread that weaves every everyone together? That's a great question. I feel so privileged to be in that space, to be the one to help people get into the backcountry and then realizing that it can be such a unique experience for everyone but something that I'm always cognizant of is building community with the people that we're with and kind of going back to that piece of being present and not attached to your devices when you're in the backcountry with a group of people I'm consistently being mindful of having a strong expedition behavior. That's something that we talk about a lot in Knowles is strong EB. So taking care of one another, being extremely supportive and compassionate to one another and just lifting lifting each other up because it can when you are encountering adversity and challenging times in the backcountry, if you have if if you don't have that strong team, it can be so much more challenging. So always encouraging and just leading by example that mindset of taking care of one another, having a strong community. And I've noticed in my own leadership style on on the pack trips that I lead throughout the summer, it's so natural because I've grown up as a guide. I just go into customer service mode and I'm checking in and always just tending to my clients and making sure that everybody's comfortable and well taken care of because this is their vacation. And so I'm always looking out for for their well-being. 
And yes, I do that as well, of course, on a Knowles course, but the the dynamic on these Knowles courses is that you are empowering the students to have those skills of being able to take those skills with them once they graduate from the school and be empowered as a leader in the backcountry to have that skill set. So there are times when I just, uh, I feel myself wanting to give them all the answers, but I realize that the most learning happens when they do face that adversity and they might have to struggle their way through it a little bit. And it's really challenging for me to sit back and, and to let them make those mistakes sometimes of hiking two miles off course when I realize, well, we're so off track right now. Do I redirect them? Or do we allow this to happen? And they improve their map skills. They learn how to really be more diligent with reading a compass and being more careful with the contour lines. So I have to step back and allow those teaching opportunities to happen on the Knowles courses. I want to talk about Miss Wyoming because you decided to run for that in 2014 and you won. What inspired you to compete? Public speaking was one of the most nerve-wracking things for me, and I started getting more involved with public speaking in FFA, and I found that so empowering, especially being one of the most fearful things to me initially to then turn into something that I really loved and was passionate about as a state FFA officer, spending that year traveling around and going to a variety of, of high schools. And so it was during that year that I had that idea of wanting to run for Miss Wyoming, wanting to have that similar experience of traveling the state and getting to know, getting to know our state on a more one-on-one intimate level. And it was a challenge for me to come to that place of knowing that that's what I wanted to do because there's so many negative stereotypes associated with pageantry. And I was really hesitant about aligning myself with those stereotypes. So I almost didn't run, but I decided that what I wanted to to do with that experience and with that title was to share a positive message of encouraging young people to be active outdoors. And that was something so important to me that I decided, you know, this will be such a cool experience. I'll give it a go. So I ran and I ended up winning, and it was one of the best years of my life. You have an amazing TEDx talk. It's so good. And I love how you opened that talk saying how your life is, in a way, this series of contradictions. You're a hunting guide and a yoga instructor. You're a rock climber and a rancher, and you're a feminist, and you competed in a pageant wearing a swimsuit. <laughs> Elaborate on that for me. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think going back to that idea that I am a pretty curious person and there are things that spark my interest that I want to try and I think there is so much to be learned by diving into those things so yes I um, I do tend to make people raise an eyebrow sometimes of but wait a second I thought you were a pageant girl yet here you are quartering an elk and so I think I've come to find that there's there is so much opportunity in being an anomaly and that you should be on either end of multiple spectrums. And that's such a powerful tool to not only break stereotypes and 
shift people's perspectives, but a really great way to to connect with people in a variety of ways when you're diving into all these different lifestyles or different sectors of the community and just diversifying yourself as much as possible there within that lies so much opportunity to find common ground with people who might initially have a different perspective and opposing view to diversify yourself as much as possible because then that allows opportunity to bridge the gaps find common ground and build a broader connection well, and you tie that back to in your talk about having this this mindset of the explorer. What does it mean to be an explorer? You are certainly an explorer in your life, in all realms, I, I think, um, in your professional life and your personal life. So what does it mean to have an explorer mindset? Growing up in the mountains, this dirty little mountain girl who was always getting into something and so asking questions, wanting to learn by doing and hands-on experiences and wanting to see, touch, taste as much as possible. And I think somewhere along the line, we tend to lose that. We get in a rhythm, we get in, uh, you know, we tend to put our heads down and focus on an objective where we sometimes need to remind ourselves to lift our gaze up and be looking for opportunities to try something new and to nudge into that zone of what is comfortable. And I always talk about that as well, of just leaning into those uncomfortable moments to bit by bit, the more you do it, the more you're pushing into those uncomfortable moments, the before you know it, your realm of what is comfortable is a lot bigger because you're you're actively going toward those opportunities that could be of great learning and growth. And you've had some really cool experiences following that for yourself personally outside of your ranch, going to Thailand to get your yoga certification, going to Alaska and working for a dog <laughs> sled team. I, I would love if you could just tie back, you know, this philosophy of the explorer to those experiences sure. where you were having to do that for yourself. Yeah. So I think that mindset I have taken into a variety of ways. Um, when I graduated from the University of Wyoming, I decided to go on a Knowles course in New Zealand for 30 days. And I was planning to stay a little bit longer after the Knowles course to travel around New Zealand, but I ended up staying for four months. <laughs> I extended my visa and I worked on a variety of farms um, just by volunteering and staying with these local families and working on dairy farms, sheep stations, cattle stations. Um, I had a lot of opportunities working with horses. That was a really enriching experience for me. I would say that was the biggest solo travel that I had done. I was 22 at the time. And uh, the next winter is when I chose to go to Thailand to get certified as a yoga teacher. And that was something really new and different for me. I thought about just staying in the United States to get certified to teach, but I saw it as such a great opportunity to toss myself into a very different culture and learn learn about the culture by immersing myself in it. And I'm really glad that that's how I chose to, to get certified. And then last winter, I actually, I did go to Alaska 
to help with the Yukon Quest, which is a thousand mile dog sled race. And I know nothing about dog sledding. And that was a pretty nerve wracking experience just because I was coming into it a little bit blind as to what my role would be helping out. But on that race, I was a handler. So we were meeting the team of dogs along the race. It's a thousand miles and we would meet them at each checkpoint. There's about 11 checkpoints along the way. So we drove, which mind you, the trail is a thousand miles, but the roads to get there, there was a lot of winding and looping that in total, we drove about 3,500 miles (laughs) along that race for about three weeks, sleeping in the truck, driving in negative 45 degree weather, and just having a pretty whirlwind experience That was pretty fascinating. I just want to emphasize, though, that I know that I'm referencing these big transformative experiences of traveling to New Zealand and going to Thailand and all these big, big adventures. But I see just as much value of doing the day-to-day life and not having to go on these big, grand, expensive adventures, you can have just as much fulfillment and just as much adventure if that is the mindset that you approach with life. And if that's what you're making intentional for yourself of just finding the beauty in the smallest things and creating those adventures for yourself just in those sometimes normal mundane tasks that you have in life to just create those opportunities to find a lot more enrichment and adventure in those small moments. Speaking of learning, I know one of the learning evolutions and growths and lessons that you've had has been, you know, stepping more and more into this leadership role in your various guiding roles, but specifically with your outfitting clients and hunting clients. I'd love for you to just talk about that journey in particular of evolving your leadership style to just come home to yourself and be more confident, just owning it and being yourself. Something that I have realized more and more is that competence is what builds that confidence. And I think I did try way too hard to earn the respect of of these male clients. I'm typically about half their age, and I wish that I had opportunity to guide more females, but just haven't in my guiding experience so far. I've only guided one female in the past. Uh, So yeah, I would adapt more of these masculine traits of deepening my voice a little bit or making sure not to wear my Miss Wyoming belt buckle and not wearing a speck of makeup, actually trying to wear dirtier clothes when I would introduce myself to them of just, uh, yeah, trying to showcase that I I was tough. And that is an exhausting thing when that is on your mind and you're allowing that to take up space when there is so much else to be focusing on of actually doing the task at hand, which is guiding them. And I realized, man, this is consuming a lot of my thought patterns to be so concerned with what they are thinking of me. I'll just do my job and work especially hard. And so I've learned that rather than vocally trying to earn the respect or of these men was rather just let them see my work ethic and notice that I was 
the first one out to be saddling horses in the morning and that I have hustle and can lift hundred pounds over my head to be packing a horse and just do all those things physically that they could just see that this is something that I am very competent in. And so uh, that has been an evolution to, to find myself in that place. And so I, through just a lot of experience and especially being a Knowles instructor as well, learning a lot about myself as a teacher for for students in the backcountry, I have come to have more of an appreciation for my unique leadership style, which is more focused on building community. And so as far as being a manager on the ranch, that's one of my main focuses is having a really cohesive team that feels supportive, that is in a positive learning environment where they can feel supported by me, they feel respected by me and uplifted by my leadership. So being really conscientious of building that culture and building that strong team, one of the most liberating realizations of my life is that you can be a gentle, compassionate leader and still be tough as nails and work extremely hard, work circles around other people, whether they're male or female, and you can do it all while you're wearing lipstick if that's what you want to do. And even if if you do decide to be wearing lipstick, that shouldn't be any reason to be less respected or seen as any less strong because you choose to exemplify that feminine side of you as well. Absolutely. And the flip side of that, which you talked about as well in your TED Talk, was when you were competing at Miss America and Miss Wyoming, being insecure about your hands because, you know, you're a working woman, you're working outside and with animals and your hands get worn from the weather and you came to embrace that as a part of your story. That was something I definitely noticed when I was traveling around the state and I would be wearing heels and a dress. And as soon as I went to shake people's hands, I would get this wave of insecurity of, oh gosh, and now they have to feel my rough, cracked hands. And I had a lot of comments on it actually too, which kind of at first reinforced that insecurity when I'd hear these comments of, oh wow, you really are a working woman, aren't you? You know, I would get that a lot. And at first, that made me pretty insecure. I was like, yep, I tried to paint my nails and put as much lotion on as I could, but they're still rough. But then it came to be this point of, yes, I was really proud to show that I don't just talk the talk. My hands show the work that I have done in the mountains for my whole life. And that's the message that I'm actively trying to share. And my hands are representation of that. Well, your platform when you were Miss Wyoming was exploring nature's playground, encouraging an active outdoor lifestyle for our youth. Why, why did you want that to be your platform Yeah, when you were competing? Especially at this stage in, in the world where there are so much technological inv- advancements and especially with the use of social media with younger people that are consistently on their phones and looking through Instagram and Facebook. And I wanted to really bring the attention back to something that is so valuable of 
being active outdoors. And, and I know I see that shift in myself even now as a, as an adult, like I was saying of finding that liberation in the simplicity of going to the mountains and not being attached to my phone or electronics that can be so powerful for kids to find that simplicity as a strong thing rather than feeling like they always need to be posting pictures on Instagram and comparing themselves to other people. I think it's more than just a kid thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Do you see that with all your guests? Because you guide yeah. such a range. Or what is that feeling you have when you see the experiences yeah. that your guests are having? Yeah, it's pretty cool that I get to relive the excitement of coming to these places for the first time with newcomers, even though I have been on these trails hundreds of times and I've spent my entire life in that same area of the mountain range, it just continues to make me appreciate the special, um, stunning landscapes that we are in just by seeing the reaction of my guests who feel so inspired by these majestic landscapes and even when I'm riding by myself I notice this and I'm sure that anybody hiking along who was looking across at me would think I was a crazy lady riding up on these mountains but there are times when I just feel so inspired by my surroundings that I just throw my hands up and I just feel so embraced by the universe when I'm up there and I just feel more connected than than I feel anywhere in the world. And to be in a place where I can share that with people is such a privilege. I mean, it's such an amazing thing to find that, really that fulfillment. I think that's what it's all about is trying to find that sense where we feel closest to just that connection. What advice do you have for people that are still searching for that? Well, let me just say that it's, I wouldn't say I'm fully there. I mean, we are, that's the beauty of being a human is that you are always evolving. And I love this word and this idea of an unfolding of yourself. And I think you can do that more and more by exploring your curiosities and actively trying to diversify yourself by trying something new and, and leaning into those uncomfortable moments and seeing what learning opportunity and growth there may be. The more that you can diversify yourself, the more opportunities there are to connect with other people and more opportunities to learn about yourself. And as much as I talk about building connection with other people and, and focusing on community, it is so important to have a strong sense of yourself and to find this deep sense of self-love um, so that as you are exploring other interests or other experiences and you're kind of getting swept up into these things, to always come back to that place of knowing what it is that you most value and what it is that you're rooted in so that you don't get too swept up and disconnected from those parts of yourself. So just always challenging yourself to continue learning more about who you are and, and really f coming to a place of learning to love and embrace that and to be vulnerable in sharing that I think is one of the most powerful 
tools of connection. You've really been on this journey of embracing all the diverse parts of yourself. And where do you hope the ranch continues to to grow and unfold in the future? I do definitely want to preserve that history and to respect the roots of how the ranch began and all all the work that my mom and dad and our employees have put into it over the years. But I do see a lot of opportunities for expanding into some other niche markets that could just provide more and more opportunity for other people. We used to have a kids program for 10 days and that kind of fizzled out, which is something that I get really bummed about because that's something I find so much value and find so important is to provide opportunities for kids to experience the backcountry. So I would really like to bring that back to life and to have more of a program for kids to learn about horsemanship and fly fishing and how to read a map and compass and how to track animals, how to learn about edible plants and search and rescue techniques, all all that you can fit in in a week-long course for kids. And to do more things like that, I also would really love to find ways to collide two of my greatest passions, which are hunting and yoga, because I think there are so many parallels that I've noticed. While you are hunting, you're off the trails, you're trying to embed yourself in the landscape, and you just feel so much more deeply rooted in the earth, I do, than when I'm just hiking on a trail or riding on a trail. So there's such a special thing about hunting, and there's a lot of parallels with yoga, and I think that's that could be a really challenging thing to convince other people of, potentially, but if I could have a course at the ranch of teaching people who aren't familiar with hunting. I would really love to do that, especially because I have not seen uh, as many women hunters as as far as coming to the ranch. But I want to provide a, a community that would welcome women to learn about hunting and maybe challenge those assumptions that they have of what hunting is and find more of this approach of sustainability and and self-sufficiency by being well-equipped and competent to gather food for yourself and how to do that in a really mindful, ethical way and to kind of incorporate some of that yogic philosophy as well. You're a sixth-generation Wyoming woman. You are this ambassador for Wyoming on your ranch for all these people that come from all over the world. I love what you were saying about making it your own. You know, the number one reason why you are here doing what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. The number one reason I am here is that I see so much opportunity as a young woman entrepreneur in Wyoming. And to bring forth my passions, my skill sets, I think could provide a lot of opportunity for people to have really powerful experiences in the mountains. And so the more that I shift the perspective on what can I offer people, where can I best serve other people is that's been a really liberating thought for me rather than focusing it all about myself and just how can I best serve 
those around me and the community at a broader scale, that's where I see this is where I need to be. This is what I love and what I can share with the world. It's providing opportunities for other people to have those kinds of experiences. And I think transformative experiences, it sounds like you're transforming people's minds and hearts and that's pretty powerful. The fountains are what do it. I just bring them there and it's such a personal journey for each each individual. I'm just the one getting them there on the horses and hopefully providing an opportunity, like I said, facilitating that really supportive community where they feel like they can bring those things up and celebrate those moments that feel so impactful and so transformative. That was Jesse Allen, manager of Allen's Diamond 4, Wyoming's highest elevation guest ranch at 9,200 feet. To see Jesse's full profile and portraits, visit womeninwyoming.com. That's womeninwyoming.com. You can also follow my journey on Instagram at womeninwyo. That's womeninwyo. Or on Facebook at womeninwyoming. Chapter 5 is supported in part by the Equipoise Fund. Momentum is our nonprofit fiscal partner. Additional funding for the Women in Wyoming exhibit comes from Debbie and David Hopkins and Realm Global. The remainder of Chapter 5 will launch in 2020. Nominate a subject by visiting womeninwyoming.com. The Women in Wyoming multimedia exhibit is on view from October 25th, 2019 to August 2nd, 2020 at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming. The exhibit features large-scale portraits and audio soundscape and interactive components celebrating the achievements, power, and learned wisdom of Wyoming women today. I'm Lindsay Linton-Buck, and you've been listening to Women in Wyoming.